How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Home team fans cheering for the opposing players now. Oh man, okay, SMH. But good win, fellas. On to the next one. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. Today's show is also brought to you by Joshua K, our Patreon sponsor of the day. And if you want to be a Patreon sponsor, you can get a shout out on the show like Josh just did. Head to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. My name is Josh Lloyd, as I mentioned. Well, no, I didn't mention it. I'll mention it now. My name is Josh Lloyd, and you can find me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. And before we get stuck into everything, another quick shout out to uh, um, Charles Oakley, who, again, not a real name, was, uh, was a sponsor of yesterday's show via Patreon. But he also sent me a fantastic uh, Christmas gift. So I, I do thank Mr. Oakley extraordinarily uh, muchly. If you are watching the video now, you can see that jersey hanging proudly behind me. It is a Karis Levert Brooklyn jersey. So thank you, Charles, for sending me that uh, that jersey. Really, obviously not needed, but really do appreciate it. And Charles has been one of the great supporters of this podcast over the years. And I uh, do really appreciate that, that gift. And I uh, got it hanging proudly behind me for today's episode. Well, on today's episode, what we're going to be doing is, same as always, you know what it is, daily awards, reviewing the seven games from Wednesday, and then getting stuck into an eight-game Wednesday, well, not Wednesday, Thursday, which is a very weird scenario in the NBA to have eight games on a Thursday. So, let's get to it. To it. I also had people, a couple of people asking me yesterday, oh, where, how come you're not doing the let's get to it noise anymore? Did I forget it yesterday? Maybe I did. I, I, I didn't mean to, but there it is. Yeah, definitely it's not... It's not uh, it's not being retired just at this point. It is still there, but maybe I did forget it yesterday. Let's talk monstrous line of the night. Kevin! Yep. Kevin Durant. 30 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks, 3 three-pointers. That's contributions across every category, and that's basically the Durant special. He was also 9 of 16 from the field. He hit all 9 of his free throws, and it's a back and forward at the moment in the top 3 between him, Jimmy Harden, and Yanni. At the moment, Durant comes in at number two. Jimmy is number one. Durant has been one at times. Giannis is up there as well, but he has been ridiculously good, averaging 26, eight and a half, and four and a half this season. Look, some of his numbers have declined, definitely. His scoring is down, his assists are down, but what he's um, supplementing that with is, is ridiculously increased defensive numbers. We're talking about 33% increase on his steals. We're talking about the same increase in his blocks. We're talking about a 4% increase in his field goal percentage. Free throws have actually dipped, which is a pain in the ass. But the other numbers, you know, obviously getting him numbers, which are almost on par with what we saw last year in terms of his overall fantasy value, it's about the same. He was the second-ranked player last year. 
He's the second-ranked player this year, and he's not going anywhere outside the top four, or you could probably say outside the top three at this point with him and Harden, probably locks for two of those three positions. And at the moment, it's going to be tough to get Yanni out of there. But Durant, even in games that appear like they're going to be blowouts, like this one where the Warriors were favored by 15.5 points, the Blazers kept it close somehow, and uh, that enabled Durant to go off. And that's happening quite a bit at the moment, the, the Warriors keeping teams in it, or, or teams keeping it close against the Warriors. don't want to undersell the opposition. And that's enabling some pretty spectacular fantasy lines to come out of, of players, especially Kevin Durant, who's been comfortably their best player so far this season. So he gets the uh, he gets the monstrous line of the night for Wednesday's action. Let's talk waiver wire line of the night. The most hated player in the NBA, maybe Austin Rivers. He'd be close to it. Twenty-eight points for Austin, two triples, four rebounds, seven assists, a steal, a block. He was 10 of 16 from the field, 6 of 7 from the line. I've been back and forward on Rivers for a while. He was the guy that I looked to add when Blake Griffin went down, and then it sort of went okay. And then he's had up and down performances with Chris Paul out, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And that's sort of what we get from Rivers. Like his last game gave us 9, 4, and 5. This one, 28, 4, and 7. The one before that, 14 points. The one before that, 9. The one before that, 22. Then 19, and 7, and 16. So he's all over the place. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he is a must-own guy while Paul and Griffin are out. Because, yeah, he's playing 32 minutes a night in the last two weeks. But it puts him outside the top 140. And that's partly because his percentages are so bad. He's a horrible rebounder. He's averaging 1.8 rebounds a game this season. That is disgustingly bad. 2.1 in 31 minutes. That is like... That's um that's Nick Young-esque. And I'd have to compare, but Nick Young's probably rebounding at a better rate. His assists are only at three a game in these couple of weeks. He is at four and a half over his last four when Paul has been out, so that's a bit more impressive. But he can put up decentish numbers, but far from, especially with so many other guys who are on the waiver wire over the last week who have become must-own, at least short-term guys, Brogdon, Carter-Williams, uh, Joshie Richardson, who was probably a must-own before, but now really solidified it, James Johnson now in Miami, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. It's hard to recommend Rivers as a, as a must-add type of a player, but... Um, yeah, look, he does have value in anything deeper than 14-team leagues or 14-team leagues even. He he should be owned in any of those uh, leagues of that size. So another nice performance from Rivers. And I suppose it's uh, impressive considering it came in a game against the Memphis Grizzlies, which are, who are noted as a, quite a tough opposition. Let's talk young gun of the night. Frankie Kaminsky, Frank the Tank. Big game from Frank. There was no Cody Zeller in this one. So Frank, he went off. He had 17 points with six boards. He went six of 11 from the field. He was three of four from the line, added two assists, two steals, one block. And I've been talking about Frank a bit this season. I was very high on him early. I thought with Marvin Williams struggling, there's a chance that he takes this role. And then Kaminsky sort of tailed off a bit himself. I still do believe that he has a, a decent fantasy future. He scored double digits in, the previous, in two of the previous three games. But these um these steal numbers in today's game probably a little bit unexpected, I guess, or, or something you can't rely upon. And in the other times when he's been given an opportunity, his shot has not been great. It's been missing in a significant way. And in fact, he's shooting under 39% from the season. And that's a horrible number for a big man. And it's a regression from last year where he was a 41% shooter. His threes are at 28%. His free throws are only at 73. Now, he is 94% over the last two weeks, and he is a very good free throw shooter. So there's a lot of things that just don't add up with Frank. Like, why is he shooting so badly from three? Why aren't his free throws going in? Lots of things that don't really warrant explanation. To me, he is just a deep league guy at this point, but he's always worth a look because Marvin Williams is not that good. 
he is improving, definitely Marvin. But Frank is a guy that if he gets it together, can be a player that instead of playing 24 a night, which is what he's currently doing, maybe he gets 26 or 27 a night, and that might bump him inside the top 150. I think it's going to be a stretch for him to be ever considered a must-own player in fantasy leagues, though, at, at, or at, yeah, at this early point in his career. The dud of the night, Zach Randolph in Memphis. There was no Jermichael Green, who was out with a face fracture. Zebo didn't move into the starting lineup. That honor went to Jarrell Martin. And then you could have thought, okay, Zebo's going to play some extra minutes. Well, he, he didn't, actually. He's they're, they're limiting him to playing center a lot of the time this season. That's something that uh, David Fisdale was pretty clear about in the preseason, and they're sort of sticking with it. He only played the 19 minutes here, 13 and 3. Yeah, it's, it's not a horrible night. But no threes, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Six of twelve from the field and one of two from the line. I I don't think that Zebo is a must-own player in twelve-team leagues. Um, in in fact, not that I don't know. He he is not a must-own player in twelve-team leagues, even with Jermichael Green out. I think you can do better than Zach Randolph, and I reckon he's holding on in the seventy-five percent of leagues that he's owned in, based on name value only. The name value does have a a certain ring to it. If, if you're in your leagues, players players will. And this is part of the argument that I had for trading Rondo before he got benched. You know, use the name value. We even saw it today on the broadcast, Hubie Brown saying that Rajon Rondo was one of the best defensive point guards ever of all time in NBA history. And that is blatantly false. And it's narrative, it's name value, it's a load of shit that gets perpetuated by national media. And Zebo is one of those guys. So even if you just trade him for a top 100 player. It's a win. He's 176th on the season, Zebo. He's not an ownable player. Not much is going to change. But the name value might actually be able to net you something, which is which is better than what you'd find off the waiver wire. And any time you can do that, that's obviously a win for your team. That is all of the uh, the awards for the night. Let's now move into these games, talk about them in a little bit of detail. If my screen would respond. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. It's going very slowly. There we go. All right, we've got these games up now. There are seven to discuss. The first one of them is the Atlanta Hawks and the Orlando Magic. The Hawks got the uh, the victory here after getting beaten the last time out pretty comfortably. 111-92 to here, the Hawks. And this was the Kent Bazemore game. 27 minutes for Bazemore, 17 points with four assists, two steals, and three triples. You know what I think about him. But this is what I always say with Bazemore, that he'll have a game. He'll have a good game and make sure you go, shit, man, four assists, two, two steals, 17 points. Yeah, that's pretty good. And he did it on six of nine shooting. He's just as likely to go six of 90 in the next. 90 shots is probably a lot. He's not, he's not Kobe. And, and that's what makes him tough. In a 10-teamer, there's no reason to hold Kent Bazemore. In a 12-teamer, I don't even think there's much point there because you know, this 27 minutes is what he's getting. He's not playing more. He's not good enough to play more, um, but he will have these nights, and that always makes him a GPP option in uh, in DFS because these nights can happen for him, and I, th- I think he's pretty close to one of the um, perfect lineups of the night tonight. I'll have to go back. Well, when we get to that section later, we'll talk about it, but... um. 
and this is what he can do on occasion, but for seasonal leagues, it just doesn't happen often enough for me to justify holding a roster spot for him. Dwighty Howard went 13-12, and 12, had a steal and a block, also booed himself, which was hilarious, you know, walking out onto the court, I think in the first quarter. Um, you, I, would have, I think I tweeted the video out, pretty sure I did. I retweeted the video. He walks out, the crowd starts booing him. Dwight just joins in. Really, really humorous stuff, Dwight. Now, I don't normally find Dwight Howard funny. Very humorous. Very, very humorous. Big, big fan of that work from Dwight. Paulie Millsap, 16-6-4 with four steals and two triples. Not a great free throw night, but a good other, otherwise everything else was solid. While Den Schroeder went 18-6-7. and seven. Um, Timmy Hardaway cooled off, which was expected. 12 points in 21 minutes with two triples. And Tarbo, he's really dropping. His steal numbers are way down. His blocks are down. Um, he's at 28 minutes here, 8-5 and five with a steal. There was a point where it really made sense to own him in every league. I don't think we're at that spot anymore. And you can use that spot for whoever else is on the waiver wire, streaming it in, getting someone else. Far from a must-own guy at this point, Tarbo. Um, he, he can still obviously be owned, but he, he's not that guy where I'd say, look, go and have a look. If you if you don't need points, like he's going to help you because the steel numbers have dried up in a pretty considerable way for Tarbo of late. The Magic had a couple of things happen. We had the return of Evan Fournier. He played off the bench and played 30 minutes, 14 points with not a lot else. I'm not worried that he played off the bench. He's still got 30 minutes. He'll reintegrate himself as a big part of the rotation. But again, it doesn't matter if he's coming off the bench too much. He's still going to get his 32 to 33 minutes most nights. I imagine he'll be back starting, though, very soon. It wasn't like Jody Meeks went off here. Eight points in 24 minutes with two steals. So don't panic if you're Fournier. But returning to the starting lineup is Lord Alfred Payton. 35 minutes for Alfred. 14-6-3. No, try it again. I can't read. 15, 4, and 6. That's better. With three steals and a block and did it efficiently. Hit both of his free throws, went 6 of 13 from the field. And I've said this for probably the last. You know, I never dropped him, to be honest, in in any league that I owned him in. But about two weeks ago, everything was clearly going in his direction and he had to be a must-own guy. And and he still does. He Obviously, he does now. He's... um. He's improved a lot this season, and there'll be some stinkers in there, no doubt. And that's what happens when you're at the end of the end of the bench type fantasy guy. That there'll be some good nights and there'll be some stinkers, but majority of the time, I reckon you're going to get solid numbers out of Lord Alfred Payton. Also, um, some debate going on about Lord Alfred Payton's hair. I love it. I think it's one of the best hairstyles in the NBA. But um, lots of hair discussion today on my uh, on my Twitter timeline, and um, yeah. People saying that, that Peyton is a is a clear top five worst haircut in the NBA. I, I I cannot I cannot get behind that whatsoever. I'm just gonna find the man who was uh discussing that because it was it Andy. Andy Bowser's who's gonna write an article on top five worst haircuts in the NBA and he said Alfred's in there. I, I debated that Andy. I, I don't uh I do not agree with that whatsoever. Lord Alfred has a top five haircut in the NBA and I will fight you online, verbally, meekly. But he's really good. He's improved a significant amount. Nick Vucevic, 30 minutes, 10-6-6, a steal and three blocks. This is great news for Vucevic that he's playing like this. The better news for Vucevic is that Bismack Biombo played just 21 minutes again. 2-2 two and two for Biombo, and he's just not that good. It's pretty straightforward. I've said this for months. Said it back in April last year, maybe. A long time. He's just not that good. And it does take coaches a while to figure out shit that most people know from uh, from a, a decent amount of time uh, to time ago. I, I don't understand it, but it is great for um for Biombo's value. 
not so not Biombo, for Vucevic's value moving forward. But Biombo, this is like about six in a row that he hasn't gotten over 25 minutes. He's owned in 57% of leagues. It's, it's way too high. He can't be owned in 12-team leagues anywhere, really. He's just, they're just phasing him out. DJ Augustine back to the bench, but his role remained the same. 13 minutes, six points with two triples, and that's fine with him. Aaron Gordon, 25 minutes for Gordo. 15 and 10, two threes and two assists. He was everywhere. But the, the bother, the thing that bothers me again with this is he played well, 25 minutes. Like that's bullshit. That's that's ridiculous. He that's that's what continues to bother me about Aaron Gordon is that he plays well, and he doesn't play enough. We know his upside is high. It's going to be higher than nearly anyone on your waiver wire, pretty much. So you should grab him if he's available. But this, this frustrates me. He has a good night, and he plays 25 minutes. Well, Jeff Green, who was not bad today in this one, or not. He, he, was, he was good, Jeff Green, actually. My name is Jeff. Three of four from the field for 10 points in 21 minutes. But it's it just limiting what Gordon can do. And even in situations like this, when Biombo is limited, they don't play Gordon at the four at all. Not a single minute. They play, they'd rather play Vucevic and Biombo together than play Aaron Gordon at the four, which to me is, is pretty much a fireable offense. It is disgusting coaching to, to play Biombo and Vucevic together and not give a single minute to Aaron Gordon at the four. It, it is it is disgusting. But his play has significantly improved. And if he just gets consistent 30 minutes a night, which, again, it feels really tough at the moment, but it, it can happen, then it's going to be some uh, some good stuff coming down the stretch for Az. Let's look at the next game, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Charlotte Hornets. Steve Adams. 18 and 12, a steal and a block on 8 of 10 shooting. He was a perfect 2 of 2 from the line, which he has been in both his last games. And I talked about him the other day, saying how he's been somewhat of a disappointment, I guess, with his blocks, because he's under one block a game. But over the last two weeks, Steve Adams is a top 40 player, still with one block a game. That's how good his other numbers have been. And he's really starting to get things going, and it looks like a real dominant force in the hairstyle department and with his on-court basketball play. If those blocks could ever get up to, say, 1.5, 1.8, man, 2 would be fantastic. I don't ever think they're going to, but he's putting up enough value even without the blocks, which is which is fine, and you deal with that. And I always say that, okay, he's a center that doesn't block shots. I don't care. I punt blocks. He fits in that build. I get blocks somewhere else. I get it from a power forward. I get it from another center. Whatever it is, you you make it fit. And I'm not about pigeonholing guys into like you're a center, you have to block shots. If you're a center and you're Pozingas and hits three triples a game, that's fine too. I will take that. If you're DeMar DeRozan and don't hit any threes but get to the line 12 times and score 25 points, it's fine as well. There's no point pigeonholing players into it. Now, I often mention things like Damian Lillard, the reason why he's not a better player because he doesn't get any steals as a point guard. That's why he's he's limited because he does so much in the other areas and then doesn't do that. But he doesn't really provide any sort of weird out-of-position numbers. But you still make them fit. Russ started off pretty slowly, threw a ball, hit the ref in the head. 33, 15 and 8, two threes, two steals and a block. And goodbye, you field goal percentage, seriously. 10 of 31 from the field for Russ in this one, and that, that obviously limits his overall rotisserie value. But head-to-head, he's, he's fine, clearly, because those other numbers are brilliant. And the best news here from Enes Kanter's night is he played 20 minutes. That wasn't a huge amount of minutes, but played 20 minutes, had 22 points, had eight rebounds, took 13 shots. Now, the last game, yeah, he 
played and he played the minutes and just didn't take any shots. And I was like, okay, what, what's this? This is a weird scenario. Why has he been so terrible? Is it because Victor Oladipo's back? Well, we don't have that issue. Oladipo played 36 minutes and Cantor still took 13 shots. So yeah, that's that's reassuring for him. Still not a must-own 10-team league guy, but the way that he's been playing at the moment is definitely pushing back towards that. Oladipo had 18, 3, and 5 with three triples. He was also not a good shooter. While Alex Abrines continues to be a really, really impressive shooter. Six points with two triples, 21 minutes while Anthony Morrow got four. And I can see him maintaining this sort of playing time, although campaign's return, which should come next week, is going to uh, potentially eat into Abrines as well, although Payne's going to take all of Samaje Kristen's playing time, and he got 15 minutes in this one. Andre Robertson did nothing. Demonta Sabonis did nothing. For the uh, for the Hornets, Kemba, 24-9, two steals and a three. Well, Nick Batum had 28 points on the back of 13 of 15 from the line, a huge boost to that category. He had the four assists, a three, and a block. While there was no Cody Zeller, I talked about Frank Kaminsky already, and Spencer Hawes is always is always going to be the one that benefits because Roy Hibbert's just a statue at this point. Three and two for Hibbert in 21 minutes with two blocks, while Spencer Hawes had 24 minutes. He had eight points. He had four rebounds. He had two assists. He also had a Richie Benno, which I did describe uh, yesterday on the podcast for you, those of you who have no idea what it is. And this is this is Richie Benno, in fact. Two for two, two, two. Yes, there you go. That There is an audio clip. I'll play that again. Two for two, two, two. There you go. Richie Benno. That is, that is the... The origin of the uh, of the Richie. So Spencer Hawes with the two threes, the two steals, and the two blocks, he will be out of the rotation when Cody Zeller returns. That's just what's happened. Marco Ballinelli returned. Fifteen minutes for Bally, seven, two, and one. So he's obviously not fully back from the ankle, and that enabled Mick Kid Gilchrist to play thirty-two minutes, fourteen and eleven for Kid Gilchrist on seven of nine shooting. Don't get your hopes up; his minutes will drop as Jeremy Lamb's already did. He was down to nine points with a triple one in twelve minutes here. Uh, good to see Marvin Williams getting the three blocks. That has been sorely missing from his game this year. He had eight and eight in 27 minutes. You can own him. Don't be too uh, don't be too excited about it though. The next game, the Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Knicks. Giannis Antetokounmpo with the game-winning shot. The the Bucks beat the Knicks 105 to 104. Let's start with Yanni. 39 minutes for Yanni. 27, 13, and four. A three, a steal, three blocks. I put this poll up on Twitter today. Where is Yanni in the league? Is he a top five, a top ten, a top fifteen player? Top top ten won. But top five was surprisingly close. Now he's not a top five player because Russ exists, LeBron exists, KD exists, Harden exists, Curry exists, Kawhi exists. Then maybe Giannis? That might be a little bit um a little bit of high praise. Chris Paul exists. But he's t- I would say he's top 10. That's how good this guy is at the moment, just doing absolutely everything for this team and turned 22 about a month ago. The step back shot he hit to win, it wasn't a step back. It felt like he, he it felt like he, look, you watch it and you go, that's a travel. Has to be a travel. Has to be. Because he just looks like he moved so far and maybe technically it was, but in the end, who cares? It was a game winner. It looked great. He's ridiculous and we love him. Someone posed this to me today that, if you're taking guys number one in dynasty drafts now, would you take Giannis over Towns? Pretty bloody hard not to. He's top three already and he's 22. I know Towns is 21 and he's got potential to be that, but for a guy that can be 25, 9, and 8 with two steals and two blocks, 
good percentages and can improve his threes, like it, it's really tough to go past. The other pleasing thing for the Bucks, not only was also the, the Bucks, anytime they're on, you basically have to watch them because there's just so many stupid things that he does. Jabari's not far behind, or, and he's, he's a distance behind, but in terms of watchability, he's pretty he's pretty good as well. Thirty seven for Jabari, fifteen four and three. But the most pleasing thing to me in this game, not yeah, you know, aside from the the Bucks getting a game winner, was Greg Munro played thirty one minutes. Unsurprisingly, he was good. 18, 9, and 4 with 3 steals and a block. 4 of 10 from the line is obviously horrible, but 7 of 10 from the field. And we banish that, honestly, shit-kicker John Henson to 14 minutes. He's not a good player. He's He can block shots, but he is a horrible defender. He is a horrible offensive player. And once again, like Frank Vogel in Indiana, has Jason Kidd realized that maybe my best center is Greg Munro? And it's not it's not particularly close. Yes, Munro has issues in the NBA. He's got defensive problems. He doesn't space the floor. You know what John Henson doesn't do? Space the floor. And you know what John Henson also has? Defensive issues. And you know what he is also? Significantly worse in every area to Greg Munro, apart from apart from blocking shots. That's it. No reason to hold Henson in 12-team leagues. Honestly, he might even be a 14-team cast off soon. Well, well Greggy Munro is really stabilizing in 12s. Not sure I'd ever really see a game where I'd get Jason Terry at 28 minutes, but here we are. Eight points with two triples, while Brogo played 38, went 12, 6, and 8. All obviously remains to be seen exactly what goes down when Dallavadova comes back, but you'd have to imagine that Brogdon's at least established 25-plus minutes a night, and that means that you want to own him. He's still owned in under 50% of leagues, barely, but still is, so have a look. Tone Snell continues to be terrible. Three points in 20 minutes for the Snellster. On to the Knicks. No Porzingis in this one. Mallow, 30 points, 11 boards, 7 assists, 4 triples and 2 steals. And Mallow's recent ranking is really in the toilet because his shooting percentage has been so piss poor. So it's probably not a great time to target Mallow after he goes 30, 11 and 7. But in a situation, you know, say he goes back and has another poor shooting night and the ranks reflect poorly on him, that's when you... And again, it's all playing name value. Mallow's got name value. He's also got negative name value there. People will, will look at Mallow and, oh, man, he's always been shit for fantasy. He's a chucker. He's got about three top 10 finishes on, on his resume, but people don't really realize that. They always think that he is overdrafted in fantasy when that isn't really the case. And He's never really been overdrafted. He always feels like he's in the right spot, but people just love hating on Mallow. So despite the name value, he's got like negative name value. Like we all know him, but oh man, Mallow, piss that off. No chance. No, nah, no, nah, not taking Mallow. So if he has a bad night, the, the rankings, the player rate or whatever starts reflecting that, you see if you can get him because he should comfortably be a top 50 guy by the end of this year. This was also the Mindaugas Kuzminskas game. 15 points in 19 minutes for Kuzminskas. Two steals, two triples, a block. Easily his best night of his career. Um, helps because Lance Thomas is dreadful. Thomas played 38 minutes and went 7-4. and four. Yeah, Kuzminskas is not going to be on the rotation most nights because he does have some fairly significant defensive deficiencies, as the Knicks do as a whole in general. But at least he got things going offensively, and it's a, a very deep league streaming type of guy. Joakim Noah's not a deep league guy anymore. 31 minutes for Joakim. 8 and 16 with a steal and a block, that's that's totally standard league valuable. It It, it is clear now, and, it, and it's been clear for a week or so, that, that uh, Jeff Hornacek is playing Noah big minutes, consistent minutes, and that's important for his value. So go ahead and own him. Obviously, Kylo Quinn's 12-team value is done. It's out the window. Billy Hernan Gomez didn't really have it, but his value has uh, evaporated in even the, even the deeper sort of leagues. He played three minutes in a game where Porzingis was out. 
Dustin Holiday also got just the 10 minutes, which is disappointing. Derek Rose went 15-3-4 in his 33 minutes, an inefficient 7-18 of 18 for Rose. Did have a steal on the 3, though, so I always point out the nights when he doesn't. So when he does, I'll, uh, I'll be fair, Derek. You did, uh, you did have those numbers there. Let's talk Bulls and Cavs. Dwayne Wade did play. LeBron did play for Cleveland, but they were without Kyrie and Kevin Love. So I guess well, not, not that's a fair matchup. It's not really because the Cavs are still better, but the Bulls just just they got to win and it came on the back of of three point shooting that was pulled out of their ass. Dwayne Wade hit 3 out of 4. Jim Butler hit 3 and then Dougie McDermott and Nick Miritich both hit 3 apiece, which is understandable. Now McDermott played the 32 off the bench, went 17 and 6 with three triples, but what we saw in this game is something that I have been talking about a lot, a lot more Miritich Gibson combinations in the front court and a lot more Gibson Miritich McDermott 345 uh, combinations and that worked well. Taj Always does well against Cleveland. I don't know what it is, but he always does. 18-7 and seven with a steal and a block on 9 of 10 shootings. So killed it there in 34 minutes. Well, Dougie McBuckets had... Oh, oh, my God. I feel like I have to have a shower. I hate that nickname. I despise it, and I said it. Yuck. Oh, if this wasn't live, I'd go back and edit that. 17-6 and six with three triples in 32 minutes for Doug McDermott. On 6 of 9 shooting... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Look, he's he's playing better now. He still needs to take more threes because he shouldn't be taking the same amount of threes as Dwayne Wade and just one more than Michael Carter-Williams. He needs to be taking seven, eight a game because he can hit them. He can do other stuff, but he hits these threes at a high rate, as we know. It, to me, he's just a points and three streamer, and that is it. Miro, six and four, three triples, a steal, a block. His numbers, we're talking about a guy that's pushing into the top 100 now, and... It seems to be on the way up with his role, so grab him. Much like I talked about with Aaron Gordon before, there's not many higher potential guys out there on the wire, and he is that one, so grab him. Dwayne Wade, not impressive, 10-4-4 four, four with two steals, while Jim Butler was disgusting until the last quarter. He had 20 points, six rebounds, eight assists, and three triples with a steal, but the Bulls did get the victory, and some of that was in large part to him, but he was putrid to start this game. Speaking of putrid, Robin Lopez went 6-5 and five in 23 minutes, he has, he's really struggling at the moment. In a 10-team league, I don't believe you need to hold on to Lopez. In a 12, what's his upside? It's pretty limited. It, it's not exciting. There's nothing great coming out of his upside. That just sounds rude. But you can hold him in some cases, but I would rather just grab someone else. Like there's The Bulls need to realize that Miritich Gibson is probably as effective, if not better, than Lopez Gibson. Or it is better than Lopez Gibson. It stretches stuff out, and, and that pairing works really well. Mick Carter-Williams played 28 minutes, 13-3-3, a steal and a block. Still took too many shots, second most on the team, which is just incorrect. And he hit six of them. It was a horrible start, but really got hot down the stretch, and he's holding on to this job for a while. Unless Jarrett Grant comes up, it's not going back to Rajon Rondo. As for Grant, he was 5-2-3 and three in 20 minutes. That, that should pique the interest of 16-20 to 20 team league guys. But Carter Williams, absolutely a 12-team guy to take a peek at, as long as you're willing to deal with some uh, some poor free throw, oh, sorry, field goal percentage on the Cavs. LeBron wasn't himself with his illness, but still 31-8-7. While Geordie McRae, the alternate Geordie McRae, 21-3-2. Shithouse yesterday, really good in the game before. So it's 2 out of 3 in the starts for Irving that McRae's been good. While Channing Fry had 15 points with three triples in his 30 minutes replacing Kevin Love. That's fine. But Love and Irving are likely back for the next game. We don't know that 100%, but they are likely back. 
for that next game. So any value in McRae and Fry obviously dips a little bit. I was impressed by Kay Fowder, who played 16 minutes here, 9 and 5. Took 11 shots. That's a lot of shots for someone in 16 minutes. Went 3 of 11, but showed that he can uh, make some tough layups um, and definitely stay on the court. Now, the Cavs are still looking for a, a backup point guard, but if he continues the ascent at the moment and the, and the improvement in his play, then maybe maybe he can become that guy. But he still, he still has a fair distance to go. Now... Onto the last three games of the night. Um, the first one we've got to talk about is Miami, and we'll just divest, divest, wrong word, we'll divert ourselves from this game because Justice Winslow is out for the season. He has a torn labrum in his shoulder, and he will likely be out for the season. Now, with how piss poor the Heat are, even if he's ready to go by April, he's not coming back. He's uh, he's out for the year, Justice. So what this does is it obviously means we drop Justice. He should have been dropped anyway, but he's he's dropped now. So it solidifies the value of Joshy Richardson. He should be owned. Tyler Johnson, he absolutely should be owned. He's comfortably a top 100. I think he's a top 80 player this year. Should be owned. James Johnson, who was remarkable again, should be owned. Dion Waiters, probably not. Probably not, but... You're going to get more Tyler, more James, more Joshy Richardson. And their value is going to be fairly solid, and they should be owned in all 12-team leagues at this point. No point asking me and saying, which one do I add? Because it depends on what you want. What do you want? Do you want a steals and blocks guy? James Johnson was that guy who gets your rebounds. Do you want someone who, who's going to get you some uh, assists and solid scoring at really high efficiency? Tyler Johnson. Do you want a guy like Josh Richardson who, if you need a guard can get you good assists, but also block shots. So it really does depend on, on what you need, but all of them all of them have a real shot now to finish inside the top 100 this year. The um, Let's talk about what they did here. Tyler Johnson was great. 23-6-2, so aggressive rebounding it. Two blocks, two threes, one steal. Huge night. Jimmy Johnson, 14-6-6, six six, three blocks and two triples. You know, I'm glad that I tweeted all this stuff out before the game, and, and they went up and backed me up, so really happy about that, guys. Goran Dragic had 19 and 7 with two steals. Joshy Richardson, the shot off again, but 4 and 11, 9 points, but 8 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals, still getting the other numbers ticking over, and importantly played 37 minutes. And this was a game where Dion Waiters returned. Now, Waiters returned from a couple of weeks off with that uh, groin issue. He, um, he played 10 minutes. He had 4 points, and Heat Beat Riders are a little bit worried, but they're speculating that your Richardson won't be a big part of the rotation moving forward. And there's obviously some minutes there with Winslow, but it's going to be Dragic, Johnson, Johnson, Richardson, and now there's Allington, and even Scooter Magruder taking some of those minutes. So I don't think that uh, Waiters is going to be getting 30 a night. I think we're going to be looking at 24-ish, maybe 23, around that mark, and maybe even that's high. So don't pin your wagon to Dion, except in uh, in deeper leagues. Now, this is something I talked about yesterday about Will Reed. He played 23 minutes. He had six points, three rebounds, and two blocks. So everyone was really, really quick to give Willie Reed a reach around after yesterday's performance. And I was pretty quick to point out that, hang on, he did it when James Johnson was out. And the game before when they both played, Johnson clearly outplayed him and was the better option. And I imagine that happens again. And it did here. So there are some ludicrous opinions going around that you know, Willie Reed is the next Hassan Whiteside, that Willie Reed is going to you know, be this must-own player down the stretch. 
he he's definitely a, a good player, and I've been on record as saying that he, he can be a solid player. But he's not that good. He, let's let's all just calm down here. Now, Whiteside will be out one more game on Friday. So, assuming his salary remains the same, he becomes still a DFS option because, you know, Boogie Cousins is not a great matchup. And he could still even be streamed in into standard leagues. But let's not get our hopes up too much with uh, with Big Willie style. Wayne Allington had 13 points with four triples. You know what he is. He is a streaming three-pointer. For the Kings, no Rudy Gay again. And Omri Caspi left out of the rotation completely. That guy's season has been one of the more confusing things of the year, as is Dave Yeager and his we-need-to-play-Malachi-Richardson-more speech. Richardson, again, was a DNP-CD, while Aaron, good old Aaron Aflalo played 31 minutes and had 15 points. This is standard Aaron Aflalo did jack shit in the other categories, but this is just what he does, leave him for the deeper formats. Um, ben McLemore, he Pascal Siakamed it, he played six minutes and did nothing, nothing at all, no reason why Why are we starting him. Get rich. If you're not going to play McLemore and let him develop, don't go to a Flalo. Let's try... I, 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 you know what? Scrap that. I know. They're trying to battle for a playoff spot. I understand that. Scrap all that. Willie Cauley-Stein was better than terrible, which for him is a, is a huge deal. And they went with more uh, Anthony Tolliver in this one, 14-3-2, while Costa Kufos, fresh off a big game, played just the 15 minutes, 6-4 and 2 for Kufos. Matty Barnes occasionally has these big nights, 12, 7, and 5, but being able to trust Barnes is one of the more frustrating experiences in fantasy basketball. Leave him for the deeper stuff. While Garrett Temple had 15 points with three steals. And like so many players, Garrett Temple will come out there and do this, and you go, shit, Garrett Temple had 15. Man, what do I do here? And you go, oh, hang on. It was on 65% shooting. He would probably go out there and shoot 30 in the next game because he's as up and down as they come. And he's really not that good in terms of being able to produce fan- produce fantasy numbers. The important thing to note here is the return of Ty Lawson. Broken face, missed a game. And we were speculating, or I was speculating, you were listening yesterday, about Darren Collison, who played that huge game, 26 points, big minutes. Is this what sparks him? What do they do moving forward? Turns out no, because he played just the 27 minutes and Lawson played 29 with 15 points and 6 assists for Ty. And Collison went 10, 2, and 3. They both could be owned in 12-team leagues, but if you miss out of them, I definitely wouldn't give a shit because you know, I think they're going to be stuck in that 110 to 140 zone for much of the year, splitting minutes, and that's not going to work out too well for uh, for leagues. Let's move on to Portland and Golden State. The Actually, I didn't talk about who won that last game. It was the, uh, was the Heat on the road with a huge victory over the Kings. That's a massive disappointment for the Kings. Huge for the Nuggets, but a massive disappointment for the Kings. The Blazers taking on the Warriors. They kept it close, but they lost eventually 117 to 125. CJ McCollum on fire in the first half, did his best Devin Booker impression and cooled off completely in the second half. He ended up going 13 from 31 for 35 points. Yeah, I think he had 28 in the first half or maybe 26, so definite cool off there. Nine boards, five assists, two blocks, and four triples for McCollum in another start with Dame Lillard out. Alan Crabb started alongside him, and this is one of the best Crabb games we've seen ever. 18, 3, and 5 with two triples. 36 minutes for Crab. Don't get overly excited. You might get another start out of Crab, and that might make him useful tomorrow. But realistically, he has not been a good fantasy contributor at any point in his career. Mason Plumley breaking the Warriors' center curse. 16, 10, and 4. Three steals and a block in 33 minutes. He has done it before with some, some big performances in games where you don't expect him to do it. And I mean, this is obviously an impressive night. And I loved Al Farouk here. I did touch on this yesterday saying he does have a really good record against the Warriors, 
and it came through. This doesn't always come through, but today with, with Aminu and with Taj, it definitely worked. 12, 7, and 5 with two steals and two triples for Al Farouk. He has comfortably got top 100 upside, and that makes him a 12-team league guy, of course. He's got 100, you know, maybe not 100, maybe 110, around that mark, whatever, um, but has no been nowhere near it. He's owned in 34% of leagues, so he's available. Now, he's a guy that, if you own Robin Lopez, you could consider switching, depending on exactly what stats you need. But Aminu's got this ability, the steals, the boards, the threes, can block shots, and he did it all in this game. So he is he is a name to watch. Mo Harkless had 10-7 and seven with two triples, a steal, and a block. Still a 12-team league guy to me, while Evan Turner had the 11 in 30 minutes. For the Warriors, Steph had 35-7-5 with five triples, a really good Steph night. Or Draymond went 9-7-11 with three steals and a block, and Clay had 14-3-1. But Clay's best contributions came defensively. Three steals, two blocks, and he shut down CJ McCollum in the second half. It wouldn't be the Warriors if no one else did anything, except Zaza had a good night. 13 points in 19 minutes, a steal and three blocks for Zaza. Leave him for the very, very deep stuff. And Ian Clark was unable to shoot 100% against the Blazers. I mean, it's a real surprise considering he's done it twice. Once, I think at the time it would have been 95% completion on his shots. But uh, yeah, wasn't able to get that going. Just going two or five, four or five points in 12 minutes. Let's kick into the last game of the night, and that is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers get the victory. Marcus Gasol, 23-4-6 with two triples, two steals, and a block. A huge night from Gasol. There was no Jermichael Green. There was no Chandler Parsons. Let's talk Parsons now. I, I really don't see Parsons being a, a guy anymore. It, it's impossible. Unless you're in first, maybe second. I, I just don't see it with Parsons. I just think the rests... I think the minutes, it's going to last too long. And the fact that he's looked absolutely disgustingly bad in those games. Now, if I'm in a dynasty league, I go as low as I can to get him. Because I know he's got ability. And he's bounced back from knee surgeries before and has been able to do it. But in a redraft situation, or if you're competing in a dynasty, holding on to him is really, really tough going. And I reckon you've got to, you've got to piss him off in, in standard leagues. But in dynasty, go low. Go go ridiculously low. Yeah, people believe that this guy's career is done. And you know what? It could be. I don't think it is, but it could be. But people do believe that. Um, people are very upset that he goes out and hangs out with beautiful people and posts pictures of him without a shirt on Instagram. No idea why, but apparently that bothers people because it makes them think that he's not good at basketball. People are weird. Anyway, I think he will be, be back. But it just feels like it's taking a very long time this year. Jimmy Ennis had a big one in his uh in his stead. Thirty two minutes for Ennis, eight, six and two with three steals and a block. That's hearkening back to what we saw from Ennis to begin the season. I wouldn't put my uh, money on that continuing to happen. The Grizzlies went super small in this one, played lineups consisting of Gasol, Ennis, Allen, Conley, and Vince Carter for big chunks of this game, and Aaron Harrison also sharing the court in those lineups too. They were their their uh, six of their top seven minute getters in the game. And Troy Daniels was the, uh, the the other one who played 24 minutes. So their big man, who was Jarrell Martin, Zach Randolph, they combined for 20, 30 minutes, while uh, Marcus Gasol played 36. So that's 66 minutes out of the 96 minutes available at those big men positions. So they went small for you know, huge, huge amounts of playing time um, in the game. Conley had a good one, 17, 7, and 12. Tone Allen was also impressive, 13. And six, while Aaron Harrison went seven, five, and seven. 
For the Clippers, talked about Austin already. Jamal Crawford had 22 points with four assists. He has these occasional shooting outbursts. Really tough to own him, though, in standard leagues, in my opinion. While Ray Felton went 11-4-6 and with four steals. Another very solid performance from Felton without Chris Paul. Now, Paul is likely back on Friday, limiting what Felton and possibly what Rivers can do, and to a lesser degree, Crawford, too. 19 points in 37 minutes for JJ Redick. Those minutes will come down. While DeAndre Jordan, almost 20-20. He went 18-20. and he was 7 of 10 from the line, and he was 4 of 11 from the free throw line, but you shouldn't care about that. Mo Spates, 5 and 6 in 13 minutes for Mo, playing backup center only. I'm sure, surely none of you still own him in 12-team in leagues, um, which, which you could have. You could have streamed him, no doubt, and, and tried it, but uh, it's just not happening on a regular enough basis. All right, that is it for all of the action from Wednesday. I'm going to take a quick break. And then we're going to be back to talk DFS for Thursday. All right, everyone, we're back. Let's talk perfect DFS. Let's start on FanDuel. I decided to create a FanDuel lineup today uh, just to see how it would go. It uh, ended up totaling 342, which obviously wasn't enough to win the, uh, the GPPs on there, but a comfortable cash line. So I might do that a couple of times and do, just create some fake DraftKings and FanDuel lineups and see how they end up going, but would have cashed on both those sites today. Unfortunately, I can't play over there, as you're well aware. Let's talk FanDuel now. Didn't have the perfect lineup. Russ Westbrook, 65, and Austin Rivers at 43.3. Shooting guard Yanni went 53.6, and CJ went 51.1. The small forwards, Mallow went 55.7, and those first five, you could easily have predicted those. Yeah, Dougie McDermott at 27.7 in a game with Wade back, probably a little bit hard to uh, to expect that to go down. Same with Frank the Tank at 31.2. Taj Gibson at 30.4. Greggy Munro at 39.8. I believe all those guys were in my uh, picks of the day yesterday, with the exception of Doug and Frank, maybe. I'm not 100% sure, but but close to that. Anyway, yeah, so you could have got a pretty decent score today, I reckon. 397.8 with 59,800. And plenty of uh, listeners to this podcast won some decent money today, so congratulations to you guys. DraftKings, CJ McCollum, 56, Austin Rivers, 46.5, Mallow at 60.75, Taj at 32.25, Steve Adams, 42, Yarni at 57.75, Frank the Tank at 33.5, Greggy Munro at 41.75, and the total is 370.5, and that... That gave, that was 49900 The Fangio one, I didn't give the cost of that. That was 59800 Also, someone left a comment on the YouTube video yesterday, I believe, asking why I give the, why, why do I give all the players childish nicknames? I, I didn't realize they sounded childish. They're just, I'm just giving them Aussie nicknames. Like when you call them Greggy and Zacky, it just sounds childish. All right. I didn't realize that. They're not childish to me. They're Aussie nicknames, and that's exactly what anyone that I saw are called that you know had that name. That's exactly what you would uh, call them, and that's what we're sticking with. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the games. Let's start off with Brooklyn and Indiana. The uh, Pacers are favored by ten and a half. The total here is two hundred and nineteen. We know that Rondé Hollis Jefferson has been ruled out of this one already for Brooklyn, and Rod Stuckey is questionable for Indiana. So there might be some value happening there. Probably not a, a big deal, but there's, there's a couple of things we need to pay attention to. Let's talk point guards. Uh, Jeffy Teague at 7,800. He has been good. This matchup is good. But almost 8,000 for Jeff Teague is not 
is not. Uh, I don't really want to be in the Jeff Teague business for eight thousand bucks. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. On DraftKings at seven thousand four hundred, yeah, way more appealing. He's averaging thirty six over the last three. That's still not quite enough at seven thousand four hundred. But this matchup could bump him thirty six, thirty seven, forty points even. But hate the uh, seventy eight hundred for him on Fangio. Much prefer him over on on DraftKings there. No Jeremy Lin, so we're going to get Isaiah Whitehead, we're going to get Spencer Dinwiddie, and we're not going to want to use either of those guys. At shooting guard, Shawnee Kilpatrick has definitely been down. He's at 4,400. He's only averaging 17 points in the last three games. I His salary is 4,400 on Fangio. It's 54 on DraftKings. So on DraftKings, he's a, he's a no for me, but on Fangio, he's a, a pretty big yes. Mainly in cat, uh, sorry, in tournaments though, I think he's got the. Well, I know he's got the upside to go and, and drop you a forty or a forty-five. He obviously hasn't been doing that yet, but this is a a decent spot for him, I think, to without Jeremy Lin as well to take on some usage and hopefully things start to turn around for him after yeah a fairly lean run. The other shooting guards, Stucky, Alice, Randy Foy, Joe Harris, they're not really going to be DFS targets. Paulie George at seven thousand nine hundred, he has been good. Or better, maybe that's the best way, uh, best way of putting that. Um, do I want to spend seven thousand nine hundred? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good. I think it's a pretty good deal in this matchup against Brooklyn. If we look at him though on DraftKings, his salary has jumped by eight hundred bucks, up to eight thousand seven hundred, and that is a big no thanks for me over there. So DraftKings going super aggressive on some of the pricing in this game. So not really keen on uh, on either of those guys. Boyan Bog, not either of those guys. Paul George on DraftKings. But I do like him on Fangio. Let's rephrase all of that. Let's talk Boyan Bogdanovic. He's at 4,100. He is only ever a GPP guy because he does have good upside. He's got 7, 8x upside and even higher, 9, 9x nine, upside potentially. But he's just so inconsistent. He's averaging just 15 over the last three. You cannot deal with that in cash. The guy who's a sneaky chance here to be interesting is Karis Levert, my man with the jersey behind me, thanks to Charles Oakley. 3,600 for Karras. Could he take a big chunk of Rondé's minutes? Yeah. Could it also go to Joe Harris? Yeah. So that, that's the risk. But yeah, Karras has got a very good fantasy game. What if he gets 24, 25 minutes? What if that turns into 30 points? At 3,600, I reckon you'd be pretty happy with that. He's a minimum salary on DraftKings at 3,000. So I really like him over there. Only GPPs again, and we're always looking for the upside in GPPs. But... That's an opportunity that's opening up for him, and there's definitely no stability with it, but there's an opportunity there. The other small forward, CJ Miles, little dog Glenn Robinson at 37. Now, Glenn Robinson at 37 is not a horrific cash play. He's also not a good one, though, so I reckon he, he's a fade. I wouldn't, his upside's not high enough to look at in tournaments, but he is averaging 21 over the last three. Just the return of potentially Stucky and Alice there now does limit what uh, Robinson can do. At power forward, Thad Young, against his former team, he's at 5,200. He did, we well, has put up a few stinkers recently, averaging just the 22 points in uh, in recent games. But I, I do like this opportunity for him. He, he 26 points against the Nets, not a tough one. He, he's, um, his salary is not, or well, hasn't changed, so it's not high. But when we look at him on DraftKings, again, just too high, 5,600. You don't want to be touching him at that price there, but but love it. Love the matchup for him on Fangio at 5,200. Really enticing. Trevor Booker's salary has jumped by 500 bucks up to 5,500 on the back of a very strong performance. He is averaging 31 across the last three, but 26 across the last five. The Pacers is a positive matchup for him as well. 
If it hadn't jumped by that 500 bucks, I'd be more more interested in it. But it's jumped by 600 on DraftKings as well. So far from a, uh, a priority sort of a guy. At center, we've got two two blokes who should come into consideration on most sites. Miles Turner is at 6,700. I don't know if Turner's really a GPP guy. I'm not sure how high his upside is, but this is a, a, as tasty a matchup as it gets for centers really at the moment. Yeah, great ease, great DVP. Um, really suits what Turner can do. It's really hard to go past him at 6,000. So there are other good centers out there, but he is a really good option over on Fangio at 68 on DraftKings. Same thing. He's a pretty solid option over on that side. His last um, three games against the Nets have yielded 37 points. So at 6,700, you'd be pretty okay with that in both cash. And I reckon he's got tournamenty upside as well. Just less less upside, less of a tournament guy. Brookie Lopez at seven thousand five hundred. He's had a five hundred dollar price rise on Fangio. Hasn't he? Well, sorry, he has on DraftKings too, a six hundred dollar one, but he's only at sixty seven hundred over there. This is um, it's probably not one I want to deal with on Fangio, but on DraftKings I do still like it at six thousand seven hundred. The guy's averaging thirty three points across the last five, and. Now, he's got 40-point upside here. I do think we're due for a big Brook game. We haven't had one in a while. We had solid ones, nothing terrible, but nothing huge. And I reckon we could be getting a big one soon. I would look at a GPP on Fangio. I would be okay with using him in cash on DraftKings and, and GPPs, of course, there. All right, the next game we take a look at, where are we at? It's the Utah Jazz they take on the Toronto Raptors. No George Hill. We've got Dante Exum, who is questionable. And for the Raptors, Patrick Patterson is also questionable with his knee issue. I'm going to assume Patrick Patterson is back for this one. Dante Exum doesn't really have much of an impact whatsoever. Um, even if he plays, it's going to be Shelvin Mack who gets the majority of the minutes here. Now, Mack is at 3,800. Hasn't been blowing the doors off, averaging just 18 points across the last three games. The matchup here is is a negative against Toronto, so we don't we don't love that, of course. But the ability for him to get 30 minutes and, and beat that number, which he obviously can do, because we've seen him do it a few times, is nice. 4,700 on DraftKings, that can go. You know what it can go and do. There's no no chance of using him at that price. It just doesn't make sense. He could exceed it, but it does not make sense to do it as a value proposition. But 38 on Fangio, absolutely worth a look. And if you're looking for cheap point guards, he might be one to consider, even in cash. I do, I do like him more for tournaments, though. Kyle Lowry, eight thousand one hundred. Um, yeah, well, he was he was disgusting in the last game. He had thirteen points in that one. This matchup is obviously not a great one against Utah, but the absence of George Hill has actually brought the DVP and the ease more closer to average. Lowry is a good player, but how the, the Raptors honestly have been shit on this on this road trip. San Antonio destroyed. Um, Lakers, ugh. Phoenix, yuck! Like not not good performances from this Raptors team. Lowry's had some good individual performances, but at eight thousand one hundred on Fangio, I'm not I'm not ready to to get stuck into it. Now on DraftKings, he's dropped by six hundred bucks, so he's down to seventy eight hundred. That's that's better. That is that is a, a real useful guy to have a look at at that price tag. He's still averaging, despite that stinker in the last game, forty points across the last three. I can get behind that. Not so much on Fangio. Not really as behind that. Corey Joseph is just he's just a fart. So let's forget about him, and let's move on to the shooting guards. Rod Hood is at forty three hundred. Played thirty five minutes in the last game. 
only gave you 19 points, but the minutes were up. Now, the salaries dropped by 300 on FanDuel. He's at 47 on DraftKings, so that's a no-go. But I don't hate him as a GPP. We know he can go off. We know he can go for 30, 35, 40 even. And at 4,300, that could really work out. So Hood's a GPP pool player, but that's that's it. No cash reliability there whatsoever. Whereas DeMar DeRozan now at 8,300, you look not a good matchup. Um, hate it at that price on um, on FanDuel. But we flipped to DraftKings. His salary's dropped by 900 bucks, So he's gone up by 400 on Fangio, down by 900 on DraftKings. He's at 7,200 on DraftKings. That should be smashed. That should be smashed very, very hard. So I reckon you should be looking... Even though it's a negative matchup, that price just makes you go, shit, even if it is negative, I'm still going to be able to get 37, 38 points out of DeRozan. He's averaging 41 over the last five. His lowest score is 30. And at 7,200, that's not an absolute disaster. It's not ideal, but it's not a disaster. So, yeah, I, I really like him on DraftKings. Norm Power, love him. Not enough minutes. Small forward, Gordo Haywood, 7,700 for Gord. Didn't have the best night against Boston, but, um, yeah, I think he's I think he's worth, he's definitely worth taking a look at here in this game here. The other thing to worry about with the Raptors, I did talk about the road trip. They're back home now, but I've, honestly... When teams come back from a big road trip, the first game back at home can often be the worst. So there is there is definitely some concern there for the Raptors in that sort of a sense. Now, back to Haywood. Um, he's got an okay history against the Raptors. He does decently against them. 7,700, though, just feels just feels a tad high. He's at 78 on DraftKings. So I'll say the same over there. You know, decent-ish cash guy, but nothing too great. Damari Carroll's yuck. Tezza Ross. He's at 4,100, Rossi, um, averaging 23 over the last five. Had some good games in there, but not the right spot for him. Joe Ingles, Joe Johnson, nah. Power forwards, Derek Favors is at 4,500 on Fangio. Impressively, he had 29 points in 29 minutes in the last game. And the thing I take away from that is the 29 minutes. That's the most important thing. And if he gets 29 minutes here, I feel pretty confident that he'll be at least able to get me 25 points, which at 4,500 should be enough. On DraftKings, he's at 4,900. Again, if he gets 25 minutes, I assume he gets me 27 points. And that's enough on, on both sides. So there is a certain degree of risk there because the game before he played 29 minutes, he played 18. And... Yeah, that was a pain, but that was a back-to-back. This is not a back-to-back. So it remains to be seen exactly, but I do really think Favors has got a really significant upside to beat that um, to beat that price tag. We won't use Pat Pat, um, Trey Lyles, Boris Diaw, neither, nor Pascal Siakam, who put up six points in 26 minutes in the last one. At center, Jonas Valanciunas. He's at 5,100. Um, yeah, look, eight points in the last game. But pick and rolls with Pau Gasol on LaMarcus Aldridge and pick and pops, it's a, it's a bit of a different story versus Rudy Gobert. Now, Gobert's been a really good finisher, but they don't give him the ball as often. Can Valanciunas stay out there and and play enough minutes? The salary is ridiculously appealing. It's 4500 on DraftKings. That's, that's crazy low. And, and, he, and he can easily get it, but... Do we get 22-minute Valanciunas or do we get 29-minute Valanciunas? It's a tough one. I would, I would leave him for tournaments only. As for Gobert, he's at 7,400. He is averaging 35 on FanDuel points in the last three. This is a marginally negative matchup. Well, it's, a, it's a decently negative matchup for him with the, the DVP and ease and all that sort of a stuff. But um, 
he is he's he I don't know, he just feels tough to use in DFS a lot of the time. His price just always feels four or five hundred bucks too high. He's at seventy three on DraftKings and just another situation where I'm just not totally feeling it. Bebe, he's averaging eight points in the last three, eleven in the last five, so that's not really conducive to uh to great DFS value. Alright, the next game we talk about is Charlotte. They take on Detroit. The Pistons are favored by four, and the total is 205 and and a half points here. The only real injury we're looking at all this to Aaron Baines from Detroit, who's got that ankle problem and missed the last game, and Cody Zeller with a concussion in Charlotte, who's missed the last uh, couple of games as well. If Zeller is out, that opens up Kaminsky for GPPs, and it opens up Spencer Hawes as a cheap cash option and, and a cheap GPP guy. For this game, I talked about yeah, the Pistons are favored by four. Let's uh, let's look at point guards. Kemba is at eight thousand one hundred. I think that Kemba is uh, a fairly solid, a fairly good guy to have a look at here. I don't know how high his actual upside is at that price, but I feel pretty good about Kemba getting forty in a matchup against Detroit, which is a very very positive one for him here. Going up against Kemba is Reggie Jackson. He's at sixty four hundred. He's been killing that number. He's averaging 39 in the last three, and importantly, that's coming in 32 minutes. So I do like Reggie Jackson. If we look across at these guys on DraftKings, you have really like Kemba at 79. Reggie's at 67 with a $700 price rise. You're much less keen on him at that extended or accelerated price rise over there. So not not as interesting, but like Kemba on both and, and Reggie. Over on Fangio, Ish Smith, Ramon Sessions, they're not really tickling anyone's fancy. At shooting guard, Kentavious Kowal Pope is at 5700 bucks. The matchup is beautiful. He has been relatively consistent lately, which is a big thing for him, averaging 30 over the last three. I'm fine with giving a go to Kentavious Kowal Pope here and hoping he can continue it going. He's at 58 on DraftKings, so I'm not quite as happy with him over there, but I still think it's a, it's one, I know it's a decent matchup for him, but it just doesn't fall quite into the same uh, value proposition as some of the other shooting guards on that slate. 78 for Nick Batum, too high, not not interested in taking Batum at that sort of a price tag. Small forward Marcus Morris, it's standing out to me like dogs balls, this Marcus Morris price, 43 on Fangel and 42 on DraftKings, but he has been piss poor. But he can have 30. He can have 35. So I do think that he becomes a tournament option and a, a pretty decent upside tournament guy because we know he's getting minutes, whether that's 29 or 36, but he's at least getting 29 minutes. And that you should, it should give you 22 points, which 22 points at 4,300, it puts you at 5x. So it makes him not a bad cash play, but he's also got the ability to have a big one and have 37, 38, 40 points and really start to bring in the value. So I think he's in play here. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, we don't know what Ballinelli will do in terms of minutes, but he's a he's a risky option regardless. So no for him, Stan Johnson, Ballinelli himself as well. Power forward, Marv Williams, 4,300. Has been improving, but it's been not enough to really get anything happening for him in a DFS point of view. He's at 43 on DraftKings as well, where Frank the Tank at 4,000 obviously had a monster 31 point today, but... Yeah, had been struggling. His average over the last five is just 19 points. So, you know, I guess expecting him to do it again is going to be completely dependent on the fact if Zeller plays or not. And even if he does, it's it's GPPs only. Johnny Lua is at 49 on Fangio. He had 25 in the last game. He's got a 24 average over the last five, which is fine. 
at, at 4,900. I don't think there's much upside in John Lua. He could be just a, a cheapy cash guy that you want to have a look at. Whereas Toby Harris, the other power forward, he's at 5,900. Again, I don't think there's much tournament upside in Tobe, but I do think that he has some uh, some cash viability. He's at 61 on DraftKings, which I'm less of a fan of, but I can still totally uh, I can still totally get behind it. Centers. Drummond is at 7,900. Like the matchup for him. I really, really like the matchup for him. In fact, it's a huge positive. He has been playing consistently well recently as well, which is not something you normally say for Drummond. He's at 43 over the last three games, 40 over the last five, and at 7,900, which is 7,800 on DraftKings. I think he's a fine play on both sides, and that's not something I say about Drummond all that often. At center, we'll be looking at, um, yeah, obviously Roy Hibbert, Aaron Baines, none of these guys are interesting. Spencer Hawes is the only one who comes into consideration if Zeller happens to be out. If Zeller plays, I don't really think it's a great spot to use him. To be honest, all right, let's go into the next matchup. We're talking Oklahoma City. We're talking Houston. It's Westbrook. It's Harden. It's a... It's going to be a fun night to watch fantasy stats tick over, that's for sure. The Rockets are 8.5-point favorites. The total here is 225 points. Let's talk point guards now. Pat Bev is back for this one. He's at 5,900. Yeah, um, not sure I love it for DFS purposes at 5,900. I really can't get behind Pat Beverly at that. On DraftKings, though, he's at 53. That's, that's, that's better. You're talking my language there where he's averaging over 30 across the last five. That I can totally get behind. Russ, $12,400. price rise on FanDuel. Patrick Beverly matchup. He's hard to fade. But I almost, I think, yeah, I almost have to. High price, shit matchup, back to back. Russ was losing his call today. Ping the ref in the head with the ball. Averaging 50 the last three times he's played Houston, which for everyone else would be brilliant. But at 12,400, I need more than 50. I need 60. I need 60 plus. I it, it is hard. I think it's a I think it's a fade situation for us. I do. Now on DraftKings at 12,300, I think he is. Uh, I think he's a decent play there. But still, I, I the same thing applies. Now I like that his salary is dropped by 300 bucks on DraftKings, but I still think that he is. He is somewhat fady or or GPP only. We'll see how that if that bites me in the ass. Shooting guards, Jimmy Harden. He's at twelve thousand. He is averaging just uh, just sixty nine over the last three. Giggity. He doesn't have a great record against Oklahoma City as well. Only averaging under fifty in the last three. He has got a salary rise now of seven hundred bucks, but the matchup is a real positive one for him. I feel pretty confident of him at least getting fifty-five plus, which at these elevated salaries, you get fifty-seven, fifty-eight. It's okay at that salary. Um, much happier spending it on Jim than I would be on Russ. That twelve thousand price tag range. Um. But yeah, still, there, there are some concerns with him. Oladipo's at 5900 That's a $500 price rise in FanDuel, so that doesn't really get me interested. And he's risen by 500 on DraftKings, up to 6000 as well. That's okay, but I just don't see any upside in it. It's There's no GPP stuff there. You might look at it in a... Um, in a cash game setting and feel pretty confident about getting at least 30 out of him. But that new salary has been a real bummer. Uh, Eric Gordon, 
5,800, been putting up some nice numbers, really. 37 in the last game, 27 average across the last five, but just not really happening for me here. Not a, not a massive, not a massive fan of, uh, of using him in this spot. It's actually somewhat of a negative matchup, uh, again, a- against the, the Thunder. The shooting guards do tend to get limited and, um, that could, that could affect him. Small forwards. Andre Robertson, he gives you nothing. Jeremy Grant, ditto. Trev Ariza is at 5,900, has been killing it at the moment, averaging 32 over the last five, 34 over the last three on FanDuel, but he's at 5,900. So it does feel a little bit expensive with a $300 price rise on that. Same on DraftKings where he's now to 5,800. So I, I don't love it. It's a negative matchup. I reckon I'll fade Trevor Ariza. Power forwards, Ennis Cantor. Yeah, fantastic again today, another 31 points. He's at 5,300 Cantor. And despite a real stinker in the middle there, is averaging 25 points in the last five, which at 5,300 is fine. The Rockets don't really, I, I don't look at the, um, I, I don't look at the um, Rockets and say this is a great matchup for Cantor. That's what I'm trying to get out. So yeah, I think the, I think this is a, a night to stay away from him. Same thing on DraftKings, even though he's at 5,100, I think it, I think it could be a night to steer clear of Ennis Cantor. Ryan Anderson's at 55. That's only ever a GPP option for Ryan on uh, on both sides, where he's at 56 on DraftKings. Not interested in him in any sort of cash situation. At center, Montrez Harrell. The table is at 4,700. He's averaging 31 over the last three. At 4,700, it is almost as big a no-brainer as you can get. Now, on DraftKings, it's a bit of a different story because he's up to 5,500. Doesn't totally turn me off using him. I think he's still going to have use, but on FanDuel, that is one of the better plays of the day, I believe. Getting Now, Stephen Adams is a fair handbrake for production. We know that. But when you're dealing with a bloke who's giving you probably an extra $1,500 worth of value every time he steps out there, he can afford to be handbraked a little bit. And yeah, he probably doesn't give you exactly as much as what he would going up against somebody else. But he's got so much extra cash to play with with his value on Fangio that makes him a really good option. On Again, on, on DraftKings, not quite as much leeway. But yeah, love him. Love him on Fangio. As for Adams, he's at 5,600. Love that as well. He's been killing it. He had 39 today. He's averaging 34 in the last three at 56. Montrez Harrell's not slowing him down. And he's at 6,000 on, uh, so 5,600 on DraftKings. So I think he can be absolutely used on both of those sites. Let's move to the next game now. We're going to talk Atlanta. They're taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. The... Pals are favored by three. The total is 205 and a, five and a half. 205 and a five. Wow. 205 and a half. Donatus Montiunis has signed with New Orleans. We don't know if he will play in this game, but he looks like he's going to be part of the rotation. That is bye-bye Terrence Jones for all you seasonal people that are still listening. So you can piss him off uh, immediately in 12-teamers. He's not an ad, Montiunis. He, he's going to need 28, 29 minutes a night to really even sniff 12-team value. And yes, Dante Cunningham is ahead of him. Yes, Solomon Hill is ahead of him. But there goes my jersey's falling down behind me. For you guys who uh, saw that on the video, that scared the shit out of me. Um, need to regroup. Monte Yunus, yeah, I, I don't think that he's a, he's an ad, and he's definitely not a DFS option at this point. Let's get into the point guards. Drew Holiday is at seven thousand two hundred. Um. Good matchup for him. Really good. We know how easy it is for point guards to put up numbers against the Hawks backcourt. Drew's going to give you 38, it feels like, 36, maybe 
yeah, around that mark most nights. And at, at that price of 7,200, I look so bare behind me. And that sort of uh, value at, uh, at that price really makes him a solid cash game point guard. So I do like Drew, Drew Holiday here a, uh, a fair bit. If we look at him over on DraftKings, he's at 7200 That's a $700 price rise. So that's making me be a little bit pissed off. But still, I think there's value to be extracted out of him. So definitely not someone to shy away from. Dennis Schroeder at 6800 had another 35 points today. I think you should feel pretty confident about Schroeder being able to get you at least 30 in most matchups. Now, it's somewhat of a of a good matchup for him as well, going up against uh, the Pelicans. So, like like today, where it was Peyton versus Schroeder, you can go Holiday versus Schroeder, and you can you can use both guys in cash and in GPPs, I believe. Shooting guard, Etwan Moore's at 36. Now, there's not a lot of cheap shooting guards available on this slate. Etwan Moore is an okay upside play but really nothing to really look at in cash. Timmy Hardaway is a, is a GPP maestro. He had 35 in that game against the Spurs, had 15 today, and that is the life of Tim Hardaway Jr. Langston Galloway, Bud Heald. Um, you know, Bud had 27 in the last game. He's averaging 23 over the last three. Wouldn't hate using him. 3,800 on DraftKings as well, so a solid salary. I do have worries that if the shot doesn't fall, we're not going to see a huge amount out of Bud. But he's been a lot better recently, so I do give him credit for that. Tyreek Evans is at 53 on Fangio. Hate it there. He's at 4,400 on DraftKings. Still not a huge fan of it there, but on some sites you'll see him price significantly lower, and he does come into play there. Kyle Korver is a, is a tough guy to continually use also. Small forward Kent Bazemore, 4,000. Obviously repaid value today at 2,700. Yeah, but, you know, you've got no way of trusting him. So it is strictly a GPP situation for Bayes. Tarbo is not happening anywhere, so he's he's a fade. If you look at Baysmore over on uh, on DraftKings, he's at 4,200. So the same thing happens over there. He's still a a GPP type of player. Dante Cunningham gives nothing. Solly Hill, the same thing. Power forward. Here we go. Paul Millsap, 8,200. He's averaging 42 across the last three. Millsap, um, a solid matchup for him. I think that you can. You can look at that, but I would be more interested in the 7400 that he is priced on DraftKings. That is a sensational price, and that should make him a, a very, very handy guy to, to build lineups around. Tony Davis at 11,100. He's averaging 50 the last three times he t- takes on Atlanta in FanDuel scoring. He's averaging 49.5 his last five actual games in the NBA. His lowest score in his last five has been 38. 11,000 is a fair chunk, um, and you want him to go over 50. But I still think that if you're looking for a high-priced guy, I think you're going to have some some decent value with with Davis. And he's obviously got 70, 80-point upside. So you know, some some GPP upside there for Davis. Now, he's at 10000 on DraftKings, so a fair bit cheaper. Uh, probably like it a little bit more on DraftKings, but it's still a decent play with some with some solid value to, to be returned. At center, Dwight Howard, 7700 Yeah. GPP, I think, for Howard, not not feeling it. A little bit better on DraftKings at 7,500, but his recent form has been okay, but he hasn't look at, looked as engaged as we'd want him to be to start putting up those big numbers that we um that we hope to get from him a lot of the time. The next game we take a look at, we're looking at Phoenix and Dallas. The Mavericks are favored by 5.5, and, and the total is 204.5 points. Brandon Knight missed the last game with a wrist sprain, and Andy Bogut left the last game with a knee issue. He is probable. Brandon Knight is questionable. 
Let's take a look at this game now. Let's start with the point guards, and we've got uh, Eric Bledsoe from the Phoenix Suns. He's at 8000 bucks. Yeah, he is averaging over 40 the last three. The matchup is terrible, though. So I will I would leave that as GPP only, but it, it is a shit matchup. As for Darren Williams, he is at 6100 He gets a good matchup, but his numbers have no, been nowhere near um, that sort of a salary. So he is not a cash option to me. He is a GPP only sort of a player. If we look at what they do over on DraftKings, it's a similar story. 7300 for Bledsoe, which is not bad. Um, much better than the FanDuel, but the, the matchup is horrible. And um, and Williams is at 62, so a much worse situation for Darren Williams over there. Devin Harris, no thank you. Tyler Eulis, also no thank you. And let's move to the shooting guards. Devin Booker, 5,900. Negative matchup for him as well. Not not a terrible one, but, but a negative one. He has been okay of late. Um... Yeah, fluctuating with his shooting, obviously, which is more a detriment to seasonal leagues. But in DFS, his numbers have been fairly solid, putting up 27 over the last three. Probably just look at him in GPPs on FanDuel, and at 63 on DraftKings, he's even a tough, tough guy to use uh, in GPPs. 5,500 for Wes Matthews, not really. This game is just not a great DFS game at all. Wes Matthews is not someone. I want to spend 5500 on. And Seth Curry, Seth, Seth's all right in a GPP situation. At 4300 there's definitely something you can look at. Don't really like it as much at 43 on DraftKings, but he does have some modicum of value. Small forwards, PJ Tucker and TJ Warren, the initials, the Js. What do we do? 3900 for PJ. His upside is so minuscule that I reckon he is not someone I want to get involved in. And PJ and TJ Warren is just so like all over the place with rotational minutes. He played... 17 and had three points in the last game. The one before that, 39. Like big, big numbers. Um, he's at 4,700. With that sort of maddening inconsistency, on both DraftKings and FanDuel, you have to look at him as a GPP only sort of a player. The pencil Harrison Barnes is at 6,900. He is averaging 37 over the last three. Much better that he is playing at the four now alongside Dirk. Um, yeah, still don't love that price though. This matchup's a decent one for him against uh, against Phoenix, but the price just feels like it's just a little bit high to me. Dorian Finney-Smith offers us nothing. Power forward Alex Len is at forty two hundred on FanDuel. Had a nice twenty three pointer in the last one, but it's just not um, it's just not really that interesting to me. Dwight Powell same. Marquise Chris was monstrous. Had thirty one, and at thirty eight hundred. Having a bloke go for 31 is obviously returning some good numbers. And uh, you only want to be you want to be pretty ballsy to take a look at Marquise Chris. But it, and it would have to be GPP. I don't reckon I'd be willing to do that. At center, Bogey, no. Oh, let's actually let's talk Dirk. Sorry. 5300 for Dirk on Fangel. Don't like it. 4400 on DraftKings for Dirk. Do like it. He played 24 minutes in the last game, put up 23 points. You get me 23 points at 4400 Dirk, then you can have a spot in the lineup, even if it's cash. And you'd have to think that his numbers are trending upward. So that's that's a good sign. At centers, Tyson Chandler at 5,000. He's sporadic. And his upside is all right, but it's not even high enough for me to look at as a GPP. 48 on DraftKings. No, he's much cheaper on some of the Aussie sites. So he's a, he's a better play over on those ones. All right, let's um, look now at the second to last. I can't look at this background where these jerseys are falling down. Damn you, poor sticky stuff. San Antonio and Denver. 
The Spurs are favoured by 7.5. The total here is 213 points. Ken Fareed is listed as questionable with his back, and Jameer Nelson and Darrell Arthur are both probable. They played in the last game. I would imagine they'll be ready to go. Lots of value on the surface here for Denver, but it's San Antonio. So there's always uh, you know, somewhat of a concern when you look at look at some of this stuff that's going down with this uh, with this mob. At point guard, Manny Moutier is at 4,800. He is strictly a GPP guy. Now, the Spurs have not been... Uh, in fact, they've been a positive for opposition point guards, so opposition's it, it's a slight boost. Now, Moutier is all over the place, but in GPPs, I like him. At 4,300 on DraftKings, I really like him. I think there's significant upside for him over on DraftKings, but it's very tough to look at him in cash. Tone Parker has been good, averaging 30 over the last three, 28 over the last five, and he's priced at 4,600. Now, I hate that that price has jumped, and he's at 49 on DraftKings, so it does make him really tough to play, but yeah, the, the price hasn't jumped to his recent average. So if he gets 30, again, which might be a stretch, at 4,600, you've returned value. You, you've gotten close to six, but is that enough to really get it cracking in a, in a GPP? No, but I imagine his ownership would be pretty low, and the matchup is a real positive here. So I can totally see using Tone Parker getting low ownership, and maybe he returns six, six and a half X value. Jameer Nelson, no. Jamal Murray, no. Shooting guards, Gaz Harris, 57, no, not 57, 4,700 on FanDuel and 49 on DraftKings. Solid, not sure the upside is there, though, and the Dan Green defense matchup does worry me somewhat, so not overly keen on using him. As for Green, he's at 3,700. He is strictly a GPP type of a player. Farton Will Barton is, again, in the last five games, he's had a nine-point game in 24 minutes and a 42-point game in 24 minutes. He's at 4,900. He is strictly a GPP guy, but this matchup is not all that conducive to great stuff. So clearly not cash. But yeah, look, any bloke that can go and drop a 40 or 45 is worth having a a bit of a look at it in that sort of a format. Small forwards, Wilson Chandler is at 5,600. He's been putting up decent-ish numbers, 57 on DraftKings. I actually like him a bit better on DraftKings than FanDuel, but I think there's some value to use him there. I, I'm not overly worried about um, Kawhi Leonard guarding him. I think Kawhi is going to be taking guys like Harris or um, or uh, the Rooster most of the time, so I'm not really concerned there. So the matchup is, is not too much of a, of a worry for me in, in that sense. But I do think Wilson can have some impact here. As for the Rooster at 6,200, been really good, but it's about to get Kawhi. So I, I think we can uh, pass on, on the Rooster in most cases here. And we look, who's the other? Oh, of course, Kawhi. He's at 8,500. No issue here with defense in terms of stopping him. 8,500, you should be looking at comfortably 40-plus for Kawhi. So I think he's a I think he's a decent guy to look at. 8,500 on DraftKings and FanDuel, as I mentioned. And probably the scoring system is not quite as conducive to him on FanDuel, but still, he's, uh, he's worth a look. Power forward Nick Jokic, 7,100. Stay out of foul trouble, man, and he'll smash it. In fact, he's smashing it anyway. He's averaging 41 over the last five in 28 minutes. His ownership's going to be high. The matchup appears negative on the surface. I still think you can use him, though. I, I, still have, I still feel pretty good about him. The problem is his ownership in GPPs is just so high that that might turn you off. But in cash, in the, the salary has not gone high enough to turn me completely away from, from Nikola Jokic or Nikola Jokic. LaMarcus Aldridge, ridiculous at the moment, averaging 36 in the last three. He's at 7,700. 
Do we expect him to continue to shoot at 75%? I don't. So I'll be, I'll be really hesitant to use him again here. Dave Lee, same story. Not because of the shooting, just because he's no good. At center, Power Gasol, 6,400. Big man can go off against Denver, but not sure this is the greatest spot to use to use power in. Definitely no cash game reliability. Or Yusuf Nurkic, who's been really good in Kenneth Reed's absence, averaging 24 in the last three, including 31 in the last game. At 4,100, that looks great. But if Reed plays, what minutes is Nurkic getting? There's a lot of risk involved. Maybe you look at it in a GPP, but I don't think that's going to be the best option that's out there. All right, let's talk now about the last game of the night, and it is the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Portland Trailblazers. At this point, I'm assuming that Lillard is out when doing these discussions about the the, uh, the numbers. So let's uh, no spread currently for this one. At the moment, Lillard is officially questionable, but I, I am assuming that he is out. Point guard, D'Angelo Russell, 6,300. He's been playing well, but that's resulted in a $300 salary rise on Fangio. So I'm not going to be really all over him on Fangio. On DraftKings at 6,000, yeah, I'm I'm behind that. He's averaging 38 over the last five. We know that Portland's defense is far from good, so real chance for him to go at least 30. And yeah, 35 is, is definitely on the cards for D'Angelo. So really, really like that here. Um, Other point guards. Jordan Clarkson, no. He did have a decent game last time out, but that is still a no. Shabazz Napier, also no. Let's talk shooting guards. Alan Crabb at 3,800. No interest in Crabby if um, if Lillard plays, but obviously Crabb had a, a pretty impressive performance today. Where What did he put up? He put up... Uh, well, he put up a, a good score. Now it's completely like escaped my uh, field of vision. Oh, there it is. He, uh, he scored 28 today. So at... At his salary, which is obviously a um, a cheap one, 3800 love it. So, yeah, absolutely fine. And I'm not a big Crab fan, but I'm absolutely fine to use him in this scenario. And CJ McCollum at 8000 bucks, he put up um, 52 today. So, again, re- retaining value. He's, um, he's been fairly impressive in these last couple of games. That's two straight 50-point performances for CJ at 8000 It's going to be really tough to, to fade him again. Though that salary, it is fairly expensive. If we look at him over on DraftKings, he's at nine thousand bucks, so that's pushing it somewhat. That's uh, yeah, that, that's tough. Like he he has exceeded it the last couple of games, but but it is pushing it, and that that might be in Russ fade territory just on just on DraftKings. Lou Williams not interested at forty nine hundred, and and Lou priced over on DraftKings at the same, so n- nothing there. And Swaggy P at four thousand seven hundred has been playing really well and has been getting close to that number on, on most nights. So I think he is absolutely worth a look in uh, in certain situations. Not going to be a must-own guy by any stretch, but averaging 23 across the last five and at 4,700, you get me 22, 23, I reckon you've done all right in a cash game. That's, that's not a bad way to get some cheap players in. Mo Harkless at 4,700. If Lillard's out, I, I do like it. I think there's something to be said there. Same with him at 4,800 on DraftKings. Evan Turner, eh, 4,800. I'd rather take Harkless for the 100 bucks less. And Lou Deng has been horrendous. He is also questionable with uh, bicep tendonitis, so it's really going to be tough to use him. If he happens to be out, we're going to see more minutes from Brandon Ingram, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need to use him. But a GPP at minimum salary for Brandon Ingram would um, would be would be not advisable, but would be interesting. Power forwards. Aminu's at 4,100. Had a pretty um, pretty good game today where he dropped 27.9 points. I think that Aminu is definitely worth a look, especially if Lillard's out. We know that the Lakers are fairly 
fairly weak defensively, so he can put up some numbers there. So I really think he is an option, but a tougher cash sort of a play. Well, Julius Randle has risen by 400 bucks on Fangio. That is not ideal. He's at 7,100 on both sides. Now, yes, he's coming off a 59-point triple-double, but 7,100 for Julius Randle, I'm not 100% in on that at that at that salary. The thing that makes me go, oh, come on, Josh, you can do it, is it's the Blazers' front court. And the Blazers' front court has yielded some pretty significant lines to people this season. Although, against a player like Randall, it's not necessarily the best matchup. But yeah, he's, 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 he's in play. We'll leave it at that. Tom Robinson, no. He's uh, only played a few minutes in the last game. Had half a point. At center, Mason Plumley, 6,300. Really like this for Plumley. Did fantastically against Golden State, and the Lakers are no Golden State. So 59 on DraftKings, 63 on Fangio. Love Plumley here. And Tim Mozgov, does he get the 38 minutes again? Really tough to know, but... It, 3,600. If there's any whisper of that, then you can look at Mozgov at that cheap price and feel uh, feel pretty good about him being a, a usable player. All right, let's talk. Well, let's not talk. Let's do picks of the day. Let's go on to Fangel. Shelvin Mack at 38, Reggie Jackson 64, and Kemba at 81. Shawnee Kilpatrick at 44, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope at 57, and Jimmy Harden at 12,000. Small forwards, Marcus Morris 43, Paulie George 79, and Kawhi 85. Power forwards, Derek Favors 45. Thad Young, 52, and Tony Davis, 11-1. In the centers, the table, Montrez Harrell, 47, and Mason Plumley 63. On draft kick, Kings, Manny Moutier, 43, punt, as I mentioned. D'Angelo, 6,000, and Jimmy Harden, 12,100. At shooting guard, Etwan Moore, 32, DeMar DeRozan, 72. Small forwards, Kent Bazemore, 42, Wilson Chandler, 57, and Kawhi Leonard, 85. Power forwards, Derek Favors, 49, Paul Millsap, 74, and Anthony Davis, 10,000. And the centers, Dirk is at 44, and Mason Plumley 59. Let's talk Aussie sites now. Moneyball, Tyreek is minimum salary on Moneyball, so I think that is a definite GPP guy to have a look at. Reggie Jackson's at 53, and Kemba's at 81. Gaz Harris at 39, Oladipo, 59, and DeMar DeRozan, 8,100. The small forwards, TJ Warren, 41, Paulie George, 7,000, and Kawhi at 83. Power forwards, Favors 4,000, Randall 63, Tony Davis 10-2, and the centers, Tyson Chandler 43, Andre Drummond 74. <clears throat> Draft stars, Tony Parker 72, Reggie Jackson 92, and Kemba 15-250. Shooting guards, Uncle P at 71, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope 8-750, and Jimmy Harden 23-900. Small forwards, El Farouk Aminu 7-750, Mo Harkless 8-250, and Kawhi 15-550. Power forwards, the table, Montrez Harrell, 59, Julius Randle, 10.750, and Anthony Davis, 18.250. Rounding it out with the centers, Johnny Lua, 7.950, Mason Plumley, 10.550, and Andre Drummond, 14,800. All right, guys, we are done. Sorry about the interruption of shit falling on my head. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Jay Crowder.